the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, Training Director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live readings. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right. Thank you for joining tonight, everyone. We are on the air with the Bible Live Quiz Show. For the next 90 minutes, we'll be taking your phone calls, letting you have a chance to answer some Bible questions. 
And some of them are easy. Some of the questions are fairly easy. Some of them are kind of uh, graduate level. Some of them are very, uh, uh, what I would say, maybe a little more, uh, a little deeper, a little more difficult. You'll be able to be challenged either way and have some fun getting into the scriptures. So let me start right off the bat giving you our phone number, 340-9585, That's our local line. If you're dialing long distance, our phone number is 877-630-5757. So uh, you can give us a call from anywhere across the continental United States if there are folks listening per per chance uh, by the Internet. We are willing and able to take your call. Now, our prizes might not be as good for you as they are for our folks down here in South Texas, but you can still participate and call in and answer questions, maybe uh, sound off a little bit about your own thoughts about some passage, or ask a question. We're really able and willing to get into the scriptures with you if you want if you have a question something that's kind of been um oh i'm not going to say bothering you but intriguing you uh causing you to ask questions to dig a little deeper in the scriptures if you have a question like that about god's word we'd love to visit with you about that as well and see if we can maybe give a thought at least point in a direction that we found helpful or of course any of our listeners might also be able to help out in that sense. So uh, give us a call, 340-9585, if you're dialing long distance, 877-630-5757. So let me start off. We read this week from the book of Psalms. We read the Psalm 128. We read uh, Proverbs from the Proverbs, uh, chapters 28 and 29. Now, you know, in our reading program, we have a segment called the Wisdom and Worship Segment. And so we make our way every year through the Psalms and the Proverbs. But at the same time, we read through all the books of the Bible. This is our 14th year. We are coming very close now, within just a few weeks, of finishing our 14th time through the Scriptures. We are coming to the end of both the Old and the New Testaments. Uh, this past week, we finished the book of Daniel in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. We read chapters 10 through 12 of that great book of Daniel. So uh, we'll give you a couple of questions in a moment from the book of Daniel. An incredible individual, just an astounding book of, of, um, of, of miraculous insight and prophecy about the future. Uh, just an amazing guy, this man named Daniel. He for 70 years exercised his ministry through the time of four or five or maybe even six different uh, leaders of great empires in which in the times in which he lived. What an amazing time he lived in, right, with the rise and fall of so many uh, great empires from, the, the, from Nineveh to Babylon to the Medo-Persians and so on and later, uh, different great leaders that he knew and served under their uh, under their. Uh, leadership under their in their in, in their time of reigning. So that's Daniel. And then we read from the book of James. We read the imp- entire book of James in the New Testament. This half brother of uh, the Messiah. And then we read the first. Uh, we read the entire book of First Peter, another small book there at the end of the New Testament. 
the book of First Peter. And, of course, we know uh, Peter, one of the apostles, one of these Jewish uh, followers, probably the leader, uh, the primary leader among the 12 disciples, it is thought. So, Peter, we read the entire book of Second Peter. And then we read uh, First, Second, and Third John. <laughs> we read a lot of books in the New Testament, but they're small, you know, and they, we move through them quickly. But we read all three of these small epistles from the Apostle John, who was perhaps the youngest of the twelve disciples. So we heard from the elder, the older uh, member of the uh, disciples, and. Uh, there's a reason for saying that, we think. We're not absolutely sure, of course, but there is um, a passage where the uh, Pharisees, the religious leaders, ask Jesus why he and his disciples don't pay the temple tax like everyone else. Now, the temple tax was a tax on uh, men 20 years and older, and Jesus did uh, it looks like in the scriptures there that Jesus paid that. He sent Peter down to find uh, the enough to pay the temple tax in a fish's mouth, as it looks like in the passage. But however you see that particular uh, event, the idea is that only he and Peter, uh, he, he paid tax only for he, himself and for Peter, which would mean that they were the only two over 20, uh, if we follow that, uh, if that line of thinking is correct. <clears throat> so um, Peter was probably the eldest, uh, the eldest of the twelve, and it is thought that John was the youngest, uh, perhaps even twelve to fourteen years of age, uh, as a follower of Jesus. And of course, uh, th- there's there's some uh, family relationship in in the circle as well that we know about. But anyway, Peter the older, and then we've heard from John now, uh, much older in in, in years. We read the three epistles of John and the youngest of the 12 disciples. And finally, we read from another uh, another half-brother of uh, Messiah, and that is a man named Jude, uh, another half-brother of, of Jesus. That, so we read his one-chapter book. So all of these, are, we read through fairly quickly, but they are wonderful epistles. They have great information for us, a great teaching, very consistent with the rest of the view, a view of both Jesus and, of course, of God and of God's ways. So uh, they, they fit very nicely in their teaching to us. So there's uh, that's the books we read this past week. If you listen to us Monday through Friday, you get a chance to hear every year the actual Bible itself. And I've, I, I cannot tell you how many people tell me continually that is, yours has got to be the greatest program on the radio today, not particularly because of you, Soapy. Thank you very much. <laughs> but because of the fact that you're actually delivering the scriptures in their entirety, in their context, uh, and people get to make up their own minds. You get to hear every verse, every chapter Every book of the Bible in its context, I give a little background and comment, a little background and context for you to know a, what you're listening to each and every night. But then you get to hear the, the every verse, not not just the good verses, not just the ones we, that are dramatic and that we like to preach from, but every passage. And, and it is so very, very edifying, so enlightening and uh, and so inspirational to hear. So I hope you'll join us Monday through Friday for the reading program. Um 
then here on the weekend, we get a chance to ask you questions from those books that we read, those passages that we read just this past week. So that's what we're about. And here are the questions. By the way, just one more time, the phone numbers, 340-9585. If you'd like to call in even now, get on the line, get lined up, answer questions, uh, win some prizes and gift certificates from our sponsors and program supporters. 340-9585. Here are the questions that I've selected for tonight from all of these different books. Excuse me, there are going to be quite a few questions. From Psalm 128, in fact, it's about Psalm 128. Let's just put it that way. Psalm 128 was often sung on what occasion? And I will say this, it's not a national holiday type occasion. It's more of a personal uh, or family type Occasion. All right. Psalm 128 was often sung on what occasion? A social occasion. Let's go now to Proverbs chapter 26. I love the Proverbs. There's a lot to learn from them, especially the, the different formats. And this is one of those where you have a contrast, where uh, it, you have this is what. This is one situation, and this is another. It is better this than that. So you're contrasting two different uh, situations. So here's the question from Psalm uh, Proverbs, Proverbs 28, verse 6. Listen very carefully. Fill in the blank here. It is better to be blank and honest than to be rich and crooked. Ah, ah. I think even John could guess that one. Is he shaking his head? (laughs) Yeah, he says he thinks maybe so. I do, too. It is better to be blank and honest than rich and crooked. What is the missing word there from Proverbs 28.6? Now let's go to the book of Daniel. Oh, uh, again, I just this is an amazing book. Uh, All kinds of appeal, the book of Daniel. But here's one that appeals personally. To us, it's about. It's not about so much Daniel's messages or or Daniel's story or Daniel's um, uh, prophecies. It's about Daniel himself. It's kind of interesting. We get a peek into his own psyche, into his own emotional life, and we see God dealing with him individually and personally. When Daniel was weak and afraid, we're looking at Daniel chapter ten, verse nineteen. Daniel ten, verse nineteen. When Daniel was weak, afraid, and unable to speak as a result of his visions. Remember, he had some inc- just amazing insights and visions of what uh, of what God was doing and how he was going to deal with humanity. And so Daniel was weak. He was afraid. He was overwhelmed by what he was seeing and understanding. In that moment, what message did the angel give to him? That gave Daniel strength and enabled him to continue. What message did did the angel give to Daniel that enabled that gave him strength and enabled him to continue? That's found in Daniel chapter ten, verse nineteen. I think you will be very touched as I am every time I read that passage and the answer to that question. 
What was the message that the angel gave him when he was weak, afraid, and unable to speak as a result of his visions? So then let's jump down to chapter 12 of the book of Daniel. Chapter 12, if you really want to be a star, uh, or at least shine like one uh, forever, according to uh, Daniel 12, verse 4, uh, I'm sorry, 12, verse 3, if you really want to be a star, or at least shine like one forever, what should you dedicate yourself to doing in this life? From Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, if you desire or aspire to be a star spiritually, or at least shine like one forever, what should you dedicate yourself to doing in this life? I like that verse. Uh, it, it inspires me. It encourages me. I hope it does you as well. Now let's b- jump into the New Testament from the Old. Let's jump forward to uh, the New Testament. We're going to hear from Brother James, okay, from the book of James, chapter 1, verse 6. What is one reason that God would not reveal his will to you even when you ask him? What is one reason that God would not reveal his will to you? You're seeking God's will. You're you're wanting to know what God desires, what God thinks, and uh, God's opinion of a a matter, uh, his will. What is one reason that God would not reveal his will to you when you ask him? And a lot of people do that. We ask for God's will. We'd like to know what God thinks. But this is a this is a key verse for you to understand. What is one reason that God would not reveal his will to to you when you ask him? Okay, now let's go to chapter 1. Let's go jump further down into the chapter verse 23. If you do not obey God's word after hearing it, you are as foolish as one as someone who does nothing to improve his appearance after looking into a what? If you don't obey God's word after hearing it, you are as foolish as someone who does nothing to improve his appearance after looking into a what? James chapter 1, verse 23. One thing we like about James, he's very straightforward and very practical. So uh, you can, you'll find that tonight in all of our questions. You'll find that reflected. Let's go to First Peter then. First Peter, we have one question from that book right now. What is one reason that God allows his children and even, quote, good people to suffer in this world? I mean, folks, this is a, this is a, a real life question. What is one reason that God allows his children and good, other good people in this world to suffer? First Peter chapter one verses six and seven, and uh, it tells us there that God allows good people. He and even us as believers, His children, whom He loves, He allows us to suffer, and it gives us there a, one of the reasons that might be uh, positive and constructive reasons for suffering and difficulties in our lives. That's a very very important question for us to answer because in fact bad things do happen to good people all the time. And we can talk about that. I've had a dear, dear friend, one of our beloved partners in ministry out at Lackland Air Force Base, one of our our volunteer teachers, 
uh, he and his wife, wonderful woman, their family, two great kids, one of their children, has gone on to glory this week, gone on to be with the Lord in a traffic accident, accident along with uh, his girlfriend. It's a young 19-year-old young man. And, uh, you know, we are all grief-struck. We are all saddened. And uh, these, time, these are always difficult, unexpected uh, grief, unexpected uh, difficulties in life. And so this is not a theoretical question here. We're not just talking about doctrine and theology. We're talking about real life. What is one reason that God allows his children and even good people to suffer in this world? From First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. And by the way, our thoughts, our prayers, our love goes out to our dear friend our, our uh, and his family uh, in this moment of loss and grief. Uh, we, we love them so dearly, and we know, of course, and it's, it's so wonderful to know that their son was a follower of Jesus and that he uh, is with our Lord and that we will see him again. And uh, the, that is such a great blessing to have that confident, secure relationship with our God. Well, let's go on to Second Peter tonight, Second Peter According to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, this is a well-known verse. Who caused the Old Testament prophets to record, to preach and record their messages? According to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, who caused the Old Testament prophets to preach and record their messages? And I could talk a lot, we could ask a lot of questions about that verse and about that truth. Uh, about what, I wonder what that process was like. What what actually went on? How did it happen? Well, we, you answer the question first, and we'll get to talk about we'll get to talk about it. Okay. Uh, if the phone number again is three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you want to try to answer any of these questions tonight, uh, and uh, you know, just get into the scriptures. That's our greatest prize. Is just the privilege of getting into God's word and. And delving a little deeper and, and scratching a little deeper and maybe gleaning uh, some little nugget, some gold nugget that we might be able to enjoy together and will in, will in, will help us in our growth in, in the Lord, our experience of God in our life and, and in, in our very life itself from day to day, the decisions and the, we make and the, the things that we say and do. So give us a call, 340-9585 if you're dialing, dialing uh, locally. If it's long distance, 877-630-5757. That's our toll-free number uh, nationwide. So uh, the toll-free number for the Bible Live uh, radio program and ministry. Let's go to the books, the little epistles of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Now, 1st John is just amazing, and I... I um, it covers a theme that is so important to us as believers, and that is how does God deal with sin in the life of the believer? It is a different approach and a different sin affects us differently once we are in Christ, differently from when we were outside the faith. And so, uh, but how does God deal with it? It is no, no more acceptable to God by any means, but it is dealt with in a different way in our lives as believers. So we're going to talk about that a little bit, a very important truth. And so I'm going to ask you, when a Christian 
does fall to temptation and to sin, what does the believer need to do that proves that he is a genuine believer and that allows him to experience that the forgiveness that God has given him in Christ? When a believer falls to temptation and sin, what does the believer do that proves he is a genuine believer and that allows him to experience the forgiveness that he already has in Christ? It brings that forgiveness out of the spiritual uh, kind of positional realm, our legal position in Christ, and brings it down into our life experience. What do we need to do? According to 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, what is it we need to do? And then let me go to the book of Jude. Jude and his brother James, Jude and his brother James, a church leader in Jerusalem, had a very famous half-brother. Jude and James had a famous half-brother. Here's the question. Who was their mother? Who was their mother? Well, that's our questions. 340-9585. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to where we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect they received that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to thelaptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Get to know more about churches and pastors in the San Antonio area just by clicking on the Church of the Week link at kslr.com. Hear the daily devotional and archive Church of the Week programs at kslr.com. AM 630 KSLR, kslr.com. Oh, 
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Beautiful song, like that one. Great song of praise. That gal really does sing well and seems to have a real passion and heart for the Lord as well. She's that um, particular church and ministry. They come up with some wonderful, wonderful music of praise and worship. It kind of lifts your spirits. Well, we are back. This is the Bible Live Quiz Show. We have put one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten questions out there from the Psalms, the Proverbs, the book of Daniel, the book of James, the book of First uh, and Second Peter, and the books of First, Second, Third John, and even the little book of Jude. So you've got a lot of questions that you could answer. Take a shot at. Give us a call, 340-9585. Let's go to our first contestant of the evening, our first caller. His name is Harold, and we're glad to have you on the line, Harold. Hello, Toby. How are you doing tonight? You are fussed up, buddy. Good to hear from you. That's that's good, and it is the uh, the greatest show on earth. <laughs> Thank you, pal. I uh, you know I heard your last comment, and it's too sensitive to really say a whole lot about. But uh, if I would say something about it, you know, something like uh, you know when you said uh, bad things happen to good people. Why does God let things uh, bad things happen to good people? Right, kind of a classic and, question, right? Yes, and I, I, on another sensitive topic, I don't want to talk about the people that 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 you just mentioned, but uh-huh. I, I don't believe that that God is letting things happen to people. I think people make bad choices, and I don't I'm talking about people that are lost for people. I'm talking about the people that causes these things either. Sure. By mistake, uh, you, you can take the Holocaust for an example. Did God let that happen? No, people did that to people. Exactly. And, so, and, and, and let me just, I want to expand on what you just said. I don't want to interrupt long, but I, okay. I want to make sure it's clear that people understand what you're saying, is that we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where good and evil collide. They are both exist. They're real. And and so you're not saying that it's necessarily the every time a person uh, suffers that it's because of his sin, but you are saying that sin is reality in this world, and that sin is a source for all suffering. Either either other people hurting other people, or people making bad choices, or us being affected by someone else's bad choices. Like I'm thinking, even some natural result, natural. Sometimes people say, "Well, that was a natural uh, disaster. Whose fault was that?" Well. You know, and I'm not trying to put fault, but I'm just saying that sometimes people make bad choices to build in, in uh, floodplains and b- build in areas where they that's not wise to do so. Or, or you know what I'm saying? It, it where we know we have information, we know that certain things are very apt and liable to happen, or certain people, constructors, construction uh, engineers, and so on, may use faulty materials to cut costs and so on. So it's a very difficult area in in terms of ethics and morality about this whole question. But undoubtedly, good people, uh, God's people even, do we do suffer in the same way that uh, everyone else does. You know, uh, a bullet bullet headed for a seven-year-old child doesn't just automatically turn into a marshmallow because it's an innocent child. Uh, It's still the... Morally neutral, natural laws that rule this world that we live in. And I, I do think it's okay to ask that question. And uh, be, you know, when you're in that situation, you know, like I said in the past, my aunt was uh, passed away, or 
she was in a murder or suicide uh-huh. where she died and her daughter was 18 and God, why did you let this happen? I do believe that there's grief periods like that and I think it's fine to ask God anything you want. Well, I, I do too. I really do. And of course, we learn that from the scriptures as well, but also, uh, and particularly I'm thinking of the Psalms where David often asks, oh, Lord, why? Or, or how long, Lord, do we have to endure this? Or why is this going on? And why do this? And it seems to be very clear in scripture and other passages as well that God does, even when, remember when Thomas said, um, Tom, we call him Doubting Thomas, and yes. he said, I won't believe until I see his hands and the wounds in his hands and his side. And, and, and when Jesus saw him, he didn't say, why are you doing asking that question, Thomas? He, no, he said, come and look. You know, he didn't, he didn't get after him for asking the question. He said, come on and look. Yes, you know, I was going to ask you something else, actually, but since you brought that up, I do think it's a very important issue, and those people are going through yes. unimaginable things right now so um if if you don't mind i'm going to ask uh i was looking at hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 okay and it's very interesting um to me and i'm not taking fun at anything you remember i was a christian for a long long time and i'll just read the first verse it says uh so let us stop going over the basic teachings about christ again and again let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of re- repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You, need, you don't need further instructions about baptism, laying on hands, resurrection from the dead, eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding and that when when i read that and like i said i have a bible at work i've been thinking about uh, i hope you don't mind i've been thinking about uh jacob a sure. lot uh-huh, uh-huh. because i think oh i don't mind i promise you i don't mind understanding and do you Go think ahead. it's possible say that again i think having someone from another religion another source and jacob was the one that the only one I know that's been on your show that helped. I would right. say I'm not knocking the story of Jesus Christ. I'm not oh, saying I know anything not. negative about it. But this guy himself is saying, we know about this. We've heard this. We need to learn more about the, you know, become more mature in our understanding. And I believe of what Christ was saying and what the Old Testament means, what the New Testament means. And I know when people go to church, you see a new face out there or a new family, you want to talk about that beginning, you know, the the beginning of Christ and what he does for you and died for you and things like that. Exactly. That has been really heavily on my mind. Well, you bring up a very good uh, point, uh, uh, several very good points, actually, in in the whole thing, and in a very sensitive, uh, kind way, by the way, Harold. I appreciate that, too. And, of course, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm certain that... that Jacob hears and knows, and uh, I mean, we, we stay in touch, and he's 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 hard at work, and uh, think life is going on, and he's doing great. But I, I want to jump to your question about the Book of Hebrews, chapter six. There, it, okay. it, the whole point is, I think you're exactly right, is to move beyond the discussions of who's saved and not saved, and what does this do, and that you know, the the kind of the the 
the laying the foundation of our of, of God's redemptive plan and and how we into the point is to come into a confident secure relationship with the Lord and then and then live our lives in the context of that not continually questioning the foundation you know we if you continually question the foundation, you know, I don't know if I'm saved. Am I really saved? Can I lose my faith? Can I? Right. So as long as we're in that realm, you won't move forward to put up the framing and put on the roof and go ahead and finish the building. Because if you're questioning the foundation, you won't have the confidence to do that. And yes. and so that I guess that's what is going on here is that we need to well, move beyond those, those um, basic questions. Uh, you know, I use as an example an awful lot my sister because I understand – She's a very good Christian, and she's worked a little bit at Jimmy Swigert Ministries, and she's been to Hagee's Church, and she's been to a lot of churches. And uh-huh. even when I say even her, when we talk together, we'd say, you know, Harold, we know the the plan of Jesus. We know the whole story. I want to know more about what the Bible does. And I said, well, that's, Betty, that's what the Soapy Dollar Show does. And then I get corrected. It's not the Soapy Dollar Show. It's the Bible Live Quick Show. <laughs> there you go. That's good. But, you know, I, I'm not saying it's me. I'm saying I think really across the board there are people, and that's what this hour and a half is for. Yes. I think that's what it's for. Yeah, Harold, you're right. Uh, you, it's funny you say that about your, your sister. My uh, second son, he's a 36-year-old young man, real solid, mature, smart guy, mm-hmm. sharp as a tack. And he and I were doing some volunteer work together yesterday and just had a good you know, time, follower, son sort of time. And we were mm-hmm. talking about the Lord and about spiritual things. And as often happens, my kids have taught me more about the Lord and about walking with the Lord than you can imagine. Uh, they they uh, they keep Dad on the straight and narrow here. Uh, they keep me honest, you know, in, in a lot of things. And he was saying the same thing, that, you know, what we need more than all, more than ever. We were talking a little bit about some of the work and some of the ministry we carry out at Lackland, and yeah. uh, he was with these young men and women. He said, "What what young people to need, need today is, yeah, we need to hear the gospel. We need they need to have that confident, secure relationship with God, but then." They don't need to be keep hearing those basic things. They need to go on into how do we live now? What how do we face this circumstances and our relationships and our finances and and in our in our the decisions that we make from day to day. We need that kind of wisdom, you know, from the scriptures. And uh, and he was talking about you know the, most of the Bible, uh, real high percentage of it. He says seems to be made up of, of instructions, not. Not just doctrine, of course, that's there. It's the foundation, but their instructions have been um, based on that. Then here's how we live. Here's how we treat each other. Here's how we well, uh, do that sort well, of thing. And I thought he was a great deal of wisdom and, there. Can she said instructions how to live? Um, Deuteronomy chapter six, verse seven. You know that chapter teaches us how to raise our children. You yeah. know, and you know we're supposed to raise them. You know, with the commandments and. Right. Uh, you know, the Lord is God, and God is alone, one. Yep. And then I also learned uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, probably verse 1 through 40, is about things in the, in the future. But there's no way in the world that I can figure out, or a, hand do- a dozen of people, if you're involved in a good, if you have a chance to be involved in a very good Bible study, like, well, I am, sure, and I'm sure a lot of people are, that really helps. But I'm just interested, you know, with with the radio show also because I do feel like you know we're missing a little bit, and I didn't want to bring it up again. But that's but if I can say <laughs> one more thing about Galatians chapter two, verse twenty. Oh yeah, because because yeah because 
Uh, I am like crucified I said, I, with huh? Christ, right? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Is that the right one? Well, that's exactly it. Yeah. Now, what do you? I'm thinking because I'm reading this at work, and and because I'm reading a lot lately. I'm, I read this over and over. I might have read this fifteen times, you know, in the chapter at least once, oh, maybe it's, twice, it's maybe be- twice for sure. Beautiful passage, and great chapter. Yeah. I think Paul himself put a put a note there. I think he is wore out. He's tired. Nobody listens to him anymore. He just finally gave up to faith himself. <laughs> Does that? Do you take chapter twenty that way? I mean, verse twenty. I he never, had to become. I never have yes. thought of it that way. I'll have to. I'll have to read it again. Let me get it out here in front of me, just in my own okay. heart and my and kind of look at the context. That's an interesting take on the passage, uh, and I wouldn't blame him if he did. You know, he did endure. Um, uh, uh, quite a bit. I mean, he he worked hard and struggled hard with the uh, ministry and with the gospel. Uh, <clears throat> it seems like he became the very people that he was teaching. Now, what passage he, did you say it was? Uh, Galatians, um, Galatians chapter two, verse twenty. Oh, yeah, two twenty. That's right. My old self has mm-hmm. been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who lived, who loved me and gave himself to me. It yeah. seems like even himself had finally got to a place where he was tired and wore out and he, people weren't paying attention and listening to him. And his own self yeah. needed to realize that oh yeah, for him too. Uh, yeah, I what see that same. Think? I see that same sentiment in. If you look in Romans chapter six, you see that same thing because he talks about, uh, and this may be more more intimate, not so much the ministry perspective, but it may be a reflection of his own struggle with sin in his own life. He talks about oh, the I fact think. that that uh, he said the things I want to do I don't do the things I don't want to do I find myself doing them, and then he says, "Oh, who's going? Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death?" Uh, and so on, and, and, he, and then he goes on to celebrate our freedom uh, through Christ. But he does struggle with that, kind of more on the personal sin level in Romans chapters 6 and 7. But then you see this in Galatians in the ministry sense. I see that more in, as he deals with, uh, with... Now, remember the Galatians. Galatia is not a city. It's not one single church. He's writing to a number of congregations across the region of Galatia, and so this was a letter that was read to the churches. Uh, but I see that same frustration in the book of Corinthians, where he is writing to this really sweet congregation that he loved, that he had spent a great deal of time, two, two years living with them, building into them. And, and there's this frustration there that oh, they're, they're just not getting it. They're, they're still struggling with problems and and so on. Yeah. I, I you get you do get weary. You do get weary, and I think that's when you fall back on those basic, uh, the basic truth of the gospel. You you can't take your significance and your fulfillment from ministry. I can tell you that after right. forty five years in the ministry, you can't build your identity on your work anymore. Whether it's spiritual work or as if it's secular work, mm-hmm. your identity has to always be found in Christ and your meaning and your purpose in Him and that. In that personal relationship, if well, you start leaning on your work, day. it really uh, can be uh, it can be frustrating. Just uh, just the other day, there's a, a family that we know lifelong 40, 45 years or so, 
And we took some little toys to his his man's son. He's about 38 years old. His son's seven. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I had a harder harder time partying with the toys than my boy did. But <laughs> any, anyway, he's sitting there, and I like from his family, and he's telling us that his dad has cancer, lung cancer. He's 63, and of course his mother passed away a few years before, and that his dad's going to die. Let's don't tell anybody. And you know, everybody's just. And I know he's a Christian man. I know what church he goes to, and I know he plays use when he and, and he has spinal bifida uh-huh. at his birth. Wow, he's dealing through so much stuff, and his sure. wife had skin cancer. And so I'm trying to get him some help, some right phone numbers to contact. You know, they have the air insurance and everything. Sure. But my wife asked, "How do you stand all this? How do you go through this? We become for our lives." There's nothing going on in our lives. Our lives are perfect. We're millionaires. Yeah. And you hear someone else's story. Yeah. And I quoted that verse thinking I was going to say something smart. And he says, he finished quoting it for me. And he said, that's how I live. <laughs> Christ is taking care of me oh, and everything my. else. Yeah. And, and yeah. I'm telling you, that's humbling. Oh, it so is. Think, I, I'm telling you, it, it, people who suffer deeply... Uh, Harold and I agree with you, and I and I. Some people hear my story of my beginning and being orphaned and passed around and all that, and they think, "Oh, you yeah. well." That was when I was a child, or I, mean, I don't ever remember being mistreated or anything. I was always cared for and taken care of, and and so I had trouble coming out of the chute. But once life got started, it really has been uh, relatively easy. Everybody has their little ups and downs, right. or little struggles, and- but it's nothing like that. Like people who no. suffer deeply, I I have this tremendous admiration. Some Sometimes, and I know this sounds a little perverse and sick, sometimes it borders slightly on jealousy that because I have seen so many people who, because of their suffering and difficulty, which is a theme that comes up tonight in in both James and Peter, uh, because of their suffering and the hardships that they faced, I see a depth of, of maturity. I see a... I see a depth in their relationship with God, a joy, a deep uh, a freedom in the Lord and, and, that I, I really am jealous of. And I know that it's, it's become theirs because of, partially at least, because of that hardship that they faced with faith and with courage. And, and now they have their reaping great joy uh, from that relationship. That, of course, that's what we see in the book of, of uh, James. And it, the first question I asked tonight was, um, uh, no, I didn't ask you, but the first question was, since troubles uh, are said to strengthen our faith, according to James, and they produce endurance in our life, they should also be an occasion for what, according to James 1, 2? And the que- the answer is joy. And uh, I see that in, in the life of some of these people that I I just, I'm, I'm almost envious of the fact that they've they've endured hardships faithfully. In the Lord, yes. not that I would want, but, but he says, you know, you, he said you can actually almost be grateful for suffering because of its positive effect in our lives. Well, and uh, I, I need to, le- I need to learn, I need time. to grow, I need to learn and grow a lot more to fully appreciate that. But it's there in the scriptures. Yes, you know about that suffering. I think you know when when that comes. Not really looking. Don't look for it or be anxious for it. So you know we can get closer with the Lord. You know. I've heard some things like that. But when when that time comes, when you are faced with those things. And it will come, that, yeah. That's when, that's when you can say, 
I've, I've learned something from that. True. And, uh, you know, like I said, my aunt was killed and my, my niece, uh, I mean, my first cousin's mother, she died at 18. I've had my mother all this life, all my, all this time. Uh -huh. She's still alive and doing pretty well. Good. But, um, it's, uh, you know, there's, there's always someone out there that has, I mean, going through something harder than you are. And you talk to these sure. people, sure. their grandmother's in heaven talking to her mother, and they they live by faith, and sometimes faith alone. Yeah. And sometimes yeah. that's all we can do, and that's all they do. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes we, my, my wife used to quote, uh, and, I, and I loved I don't know where she got it, but sometimes we don't know that God is all we need until God is all we have. <laughs> that's the only way we learn. And, and it that's, does come down to that from time to time. Yes, that's true. That's true. I, I've enjoyed speaking with you tonight. You bet. And um, I'm going to pick on you about Jacob every week. Oh, I that's just, all right, brother. I miss him as well. Don't worry, Harold. <laughs> no, there's no problem up? whatsoever. That, yeah, he's, think I should look him up, or is that forbidden? What's that now? Should I look him up or should I call the radio oh, show? Oh gosh, like I know he would love to hear from me. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure he's listening tonight. And oh, you uh, think? yeah, oh, I'm, 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 I feel fairly confident of that. Unless you know, unless he's you know what uh, I would do with your permission. Sure. What I would like to ask just one question and see if he calls in to answer because we might need a Jewish guy for this. It's, okay. It's Deuteronomy, it's Deuteronomy chapter thirty-two, verse one. Thirty-two, and it one. says. Listen, O heavens, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words that I say. Now, what can we do with that, Sophie? <laughs> if he's listening, I'm going to challenge him to call. All right. Well, there's your challenge and your invitation, Jacob. And you that's like Deuteronomy it? 32, verse 1. Okay. I'll, I'll, we'll put that out, and maybe we'll hear from him. But uh, one thing I want to hear before we hang up, Harold, I want yes. to hear. I want to hear you say the word Deuteronomy three times real fast. Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy. <laughs> <laughs> I love the, the way I you tried extra hard. <laughs> it, it's 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 cute, brother. The way you, you pronounce it. Anyway, well, Am the I word is that. Am I saying? Oh, I know. It, it, it just sounded funny to my ear. Deuteronomy. Well, you know I'm from the South. It sounds like. Remember that. Yeah. Well, that's all right. It's, you sound like a child saying the word, and that's all right. I, I like sounding like a child. <laughs> it's. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. It, it means second law. You know, it's second giving of the law to the second oh, generation right? of believers. Yeah, the second law, and it's a, it's the second giving of the law to the people. You know, to that the second generation after the one that failed. Here's here is Moses going back and presenting the law again to a new generation of people. So that's what the it's such a complete book, Deuteronomy is. Anyway, so we're saying, we, listen, listen, O heavens. Well, well, we got to wait for somebody to call in. That's chapter thirty-two, verse one. Let's let's yes. see if maybe uh, Jacob will take the uh, bait. Uh, I I, don't, I can't guarantee his listen, but yeah, he usually does and gives me some. I'm going to pray a little bit. All right, I really am. Talk it's about a four-word prayer, and that's about it. Okay? Go for it. Yeah, no bragging. No, I mean when I hang up. Oh, okay, brother. Thanks a lot. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Talk to you later. Good to hear from Harold tonight, and uh, nice to hear uh, folks uh, still missing our good friend Jacob. And uh, here on the broadcast, I do too. Well, of course, we he and I talk uh, through the week, and uh, we still do some things together, uh, have some ministry together. But uh, maybe we'll we'll get a chance to hear from him and comment maybe about Deuteronomy thirty two one, or maybe you have a thought and you can call in tonight with that perspective. Uh, on that that passage of scripture, 
from Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 1. I'm turning to it right now in this uh, copy of the Bible. Then Moses spoke in the hearing of all the congregation of Israel the words of this song until they ended. Isn't this interesting? This is this is actually one of the oldest recorded songs, music-wise, in, in, uh, that we have in history of all the world. It's one of the oldest songs from thousands of, uh, of years ago. And it begins with those words that Moses sings uh, in the hearing of the congregation of Israel. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak, and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herb, and as showers on the grass. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is, his work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice at all. Righteous and upright is he. Wow. And he goes on, a tremendous song of praise and worship toward God by this man named Moses, who is said, said to have been a friend of God. Uh, there's an intimacy in his words about knowing God. So um, beautiful passage. Maybe uh, maybe uh, Jacob, maybe one of our other uh, uh, Hebrew or Jewish listeners can call in and give us an insight, a thought about that passage that Harold has brought up tonight. You can give us a call, 340-9585. We'll come back in just a moment. I, I have some questions out on the airwaves that you can answer. Uh, the Psalm 128 was often sung on what occasion? Psalm 128 was sung on a very specific social occasion in the in the uh, land of Israel. Psalm uh, Proverbs 28.6 says it is better to be blank and honest than to be rich and crooked. What's the missing word? It is better to be blank and honest than to be rich and crooked. Okay, give us a call if you'd like to answer that question. When Daniel Daniel was weak, afraid, and unable to speak as a result of his visions, what message did, did the angel give to Daniel that gave him strength and enabled him to continue? In chapter 10, verse 19. And then finally, this question from the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse 3. If you really want to be a star, in, in, spiritually speaking, if you want to be a star in God's kingdom, or at least shine like one forever... According to Daniel 12, 3, what would you dedicate yourself to doing in this life? If you really would like to be a star or, or at least shine like one forever, what should you dedicate yourself to doing in this life? This is the Bible Live, the quiz show, 340-9585. Don't go away. We'll be right back. The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
All right, we are back. Be exalted, oh God. <clears throat> we are back, the Bible Live Quiz Show. Just 30 more minutes for you to call in, answer some of our questions, talk about the Scriptures a bit. This is your opportunity to uh, get, delve a little deeper into the Scriptures, share a little bit of your own Bible insights and knowledge and experience, and, of course, answer some of these questions, uh, win some prizes, and get into the Word with us here on the the radio program. 340-9585, 340-9585, that's our local line. If you're dialing long distance from anywhere, really, in the continental United States or outside the direct dialing area here, you can dial 877-630-5757. But 340-9585, that's our local line. And we are ready and prepared and eager, actually, to hear your call if you'd like to call in and be a part of the program this evening. Now, we have a number of questions out there on the airwaves. Let me review the questions, and I will answer some of them, and we'll put out some new questions as well. Psalm 128 was often sung at Jewish weddings. It is called the wedding prayer. So Psalm 128 uh, is often sung at Jewish weddings. And so uh, it would be a great wedding prayer for any of us, taking that step of joining our lives together in the Lord and in this life, partnering together in life to uh, face life's journey, life's challenges, life's joys and and challenges together as husband and wife. So that's Psalm 128. And at the end of Psalm 128, there's a blessing requested for the quietness and peace of Israel. It's a beautiful aspect, one beautiful aspect of that prayer is it ends with a a request for blessing for the nation. Of course, we could say that even for Israel today or for our own nation as well, in fact, from Psalm 128. Well, Proverbs, let's move to Proverbs chapter 28, verse 6. It says, it is better to be blank and honest than to be rich and crooked. And of course, even John got that answer. I'm surprised someone didn't call in with the answer to that question. It's, it is better to be poor and honest than rich and crooked. That's kind of a hard sale, a hard sale in, in our world today. People are so much after riches and fame uh, that we've made gods of those and that we don't care too much about being good, about being righteous, about being holy uh, in, in our ways. And what the, the psalm is saying, it's better to be poor and honest than to be rich and crooked. I wonder if your heart would agree with that. If that, if if, it really, if in fact you had the choice, which would you choose? If maybe that would be the the time when we find out what we really believe, right? Well, <clears throat> let's go down to the book of Daniel. This is a passage. Uh, I'm looking at chapters ten through twelve. I was very touched. Every time I read this, I'm touched by this. Daniel is weak. He's afraid. He's unable to speak even as a result of his visions. At times he's been driven to his knees and face in the dust uh, with, with the overwhelming experience of God and of the insights that God gave to him in his visions. So Dan, in this moment of weakness and, 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 uh, and fear, what message did the angel give to Daniel that gave him strength and enabled him to continue. Uh, 
And if you read Daniel verse 10, 19, it, it is so precious that the angel said, be comforted, Daniel. He said, don't be afraid for you are deeply loved by God. Wow. Isn't that a wonderful thing to hear from the angel there that you are deeply loved by God? Don't be afraid. And it is my contention and my belief that God would whisper that to each of us as his children. Whatever you're facing today, whatever you're facing tonight and in the weeks is coming, maybe you've got a difficult appointment, maybe you've got a difficult uh, relationship, uh, a challenge ahead of you that you're facing. Maybe uh, grief has struck your home and, and, and sadness. May the Lord speak to your heart, uh, not just Soapy Dollar on the radio, or not even just a verse from the Scripture, but God himself speak deep into your heart. Don't be afraid, my child, for you are deeply loved by God. Uh, if we knew that and understood that and heard that deep in the, in the core of our being, what difference would that make to our life? What a tremendous difference it would do. Don't be afraid, for you are deeply loved by God. I always thought it was so wonderful that God came to him in that moment with that message and that moment of weakness and terror that he was experiencing. Don't be afraid, for you are deeply loved by God. Not not a big theolo- theological or doctrinal statement or, or not some big explanation. You know, you shouldn't be afraid, you know, this or that. But... Hey, you are deeply loved. Mm, I like that a lot. According to Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, chapter 12 now, we move to chapter 12, verse 3. If you really want to be a star or at least shine like a star forever, you should dedicate yourself to leading many to righteousness in this life. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Blessed are those who lead many to righteousness, for they shall shine like the stars. So, Dedicate yourself and, you know, kind of renew your commitment to sharing the message of the gospel uh, and and being a witness for Christ, being a witness for our relationship with God. That's what God called the people of Israel to do. They were to be a witness, a true witness of the true and living God. And we now are are part of the people of Israel, part of God's chosen people. uh, And we are called to continue to be light uh, be salt and light to the world around us, and we can be a witness. Now, we need to be a witness with our life, with the way we live, the way we treat people, so that people looking at us would be would be uh, would honor God. Remember, uh, Jesus said that you should be salt and light. Uh, that you you will you will glorify God with your works, and that people would see your works and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, one passage, but also we're called to be a witness with our words. Uh, in, in Romans chapter 10, it talks about how we're to deliver the message, uh, to deliver the message of God's word. Galatians, uh, I'm sorry, in Romans chapter 1, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm, I'm proud of the message of the gospel, God's love, the problem of sin. And yet God has made a provision, a solution to that sin by sending his son, the Messiah, to take upon himself our sin and our, our the, the penalty of our sin. And then the decision that each of us must make to receive by faith, receive Christ as Savior and Lord of our lives. As many as received him, to them he gives the right to become God's children, even to those who trust in his matchless name. So uh, we, we need to be delivering that message as well. So in terms of Christian witness, what is more important, to live our witness or to speak our witness? Well, I, I often ask the uh, airmen out at Lackland Air Force Base, 
on that fighter jet, that F-14, F-16 that you're working on or some of the uh, cargo planes that you work on and repair and work, which of the two wings on an airplane, the one on the left or one on the right, which of the two wings is most important? Which one of them is more important than the other one? <laughs> and, of course, some of the, the brighter ones uh, echo back. Well, it depends if the pilot is left-handed or right-handed. <laughs> but that's no, no, they, they jokingly say that. But the point is is that both wings are totally needed. Both wings are equally important. And part of, of a successful witness is going to include both living our witness, living it out before other men, letting others see, uh, the, let our light shine so that men would see our good works and glorify the Father in heaven. And at the same time <clears throat> that our speech, <clears throat> we, we deliver the message. We uh, deliver the message of the gospel to people to help them make that decision to trust in Christ and, and help them know how they can begin that journey with the Lord, that, that journey for a lifetime. So uh, there we have it, a little, a little uh, thought about that passage that comes to us from, uh, <clears throat> from uh, what was it, from Daniel. Yeah, if we would dedicate ourselves to uh, leading many to righteousness, we can shine like a star. I think that's very inspiring to me at least. What is the one main reason that God will not reveal his will to you when you ask him, what is one main reason that God may not reveal his will to you? He may be withholding that that message or that clarity about his will when you ask him. And according to James chapter 1, verse 6, is that you don't believe he will answer. Actually, I think this verse is teaching that God is not obligated to reveal his will to you if you're not willing to obey him. You know, we, we don't go, okay, Lord, show me your will, and then I'll decide whether I want to do it or not. Well, God is not obligated in that situation to reveal his will to us. But if our hearts are open and willing and we're desirous of knowing his will so that we can obey him and do what he desires, then God has actually obligated himself through promise that he will reveal his will to us. So don't don't ask for God's will if you're kind of double-minded about it. You know, you're not sure if you want to obey it or not. Show me what you want, Lord, and then I'll decide if I like it or not, or if I, I'll decide if I want to do it. That's not, that's not the right approach to learning God's will for your life. Now, if you don't obey God's word after hearing it, you are as foolish as someone who does nothing to improve his appearance after looking into a mirror. That's a very straightforward, very logical, very practical a uh, little message from the book of James. If you don't ob- obey God's word after hearing it, you are as foolish as someone who looks into a mirror and sees a smudge on his face or something like that and does nothing to improve his appearance, to wipe it away. Uh, that's how foolish we are when we don't, when we're not willing to obey the scriptures that we read. Okay, let me jump down to First Peter. I'm answering some of the questions that we've had out on the airways for you, and then I'll give you some new questions in just a moment. What is one reason that God allows his children and even good people in this world to suffer? Uh, what is that reason? In First Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, just as James also spoke to this issue of suffering, Peter says it's to, t- to test and strengthen Refine is actually the the term and the 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 uh, image he uses. It's to refine our faith, to purify our faith. Uh, it, he says our faith is more precious than gold 
to God. And so that's, that so often faith, uh, suffering and difficulties uh, test our, strength, our faith and they strengthen and purify our faith. And I, I know that's true. In the limited level that I've come to understand that, difficult, troubling, difficult times in life often do that. And I, I'm not sure I've come to the point consistently where I thank God for the suffering and for the difficulty because of the strength it gives to my life. I'm still working on that. But uh, that is one of the reasons that God may allow uh, his children to suffer. And, and let me just, in light of our talking about giving a witness to the Lord, that may be another reason that good people suffer. You know, God could just beam us up. Once we trust in Christ, once we come to faith and uh, have our sins forgiven and the promise of eternal life, God could just take us on home to heaven and we could dodge all the difficulty and all of the hardships, all the suffering. And yet, what kind of witness would that be? Uh, it's such a powerful witness when I think people in the world see that we suffer the same things they do. We lose children. We have grief. We have hardships. We lose our jobs. We sometimes fail in ourselves. We have, we have failure and, and, uh, and defeat and depression, and we have diseases, and we get cancer, and we we falter, and we fall. We make mistakes. And when the world sees us experiencing the same things they experience, but we go through them with grace, we go them through them with courage, with confidence, with peace, and with joy. What a powerful message! We could not we could not give a, a stronger witness in some ways than that. As we point faithfully with our response to life's difficulties, we point faithfully to God. That that is a powerful witness for the Lord. So that may be a yet even another reason that God allows us sometimes to face these difficulties. It doesn't mean that there's sin in our life just because we go through suffering. Sometimes we go through suffering and hardship not from our own neglect, our own sin. Maybe we're effect, we're uh, uh, we're experiencing the hardship and the consequences of someone else's sin, someone else's disobedience. And so on, and, and but we receive it and take it, and God can use it redemptively, not only in our lives, but in theirs as well, as they see uh, the grace and the the faith with which we walk through those difficult times. So uh, there's the answer to that from the book of James, and from the book of First Peter. Let's go to Second Peter. It says, according to Second Peter one verse twenty one, who caused the Old Testament prophets? to preach and record their messages. And the answer there is the Holy Spirit. They were moved by God's Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and you know how that happened? What was that exact process like? Maybe you have a thought on that. I'd like to hear you give us a call, 340-9585, and maybe you have a thought. I I don't think, and I think the Scriptures bear this out, that it was just uh kind of a mechanical or robotic. In other words, they didn't go into some kind of a um, coma, some kind of a trance, and just all of a sudden God took control of their hand and wrote out the words. Uh, nothing like that at all, I don't think. We, what we see is there is a dynamic, uh, a, a dynamic communication between God, a real-life interpersonal communication between God about himself, about his ways, that sometime, that somehow these men and women were moved deeply 
and brought into a deep consciousness of God, who he was, and of his plan, and an awareness that was so insightful that it allowed them to, to see the times in which they lived, to see them uh, through God's eyes, to think biblically, and to understand in, in those terms what what was going to happen. I, I don't know. I've often tried to ponder that. How did it happen? What was it like? Maybe you have a thought about how did the Holy Spirit move people uh, to do that? Now, here's a couple more questions, and then we'll go to Robert, who had just called in, would like to take uh, get his response tonight and his uh, thoughts as well here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. When a, qu- when a Christian does fall to temptation and sin, what does a Christian do that proves he is a genuine believer and that allows him to experience the forgiveness that God has already given to him in Christ, bringing that experience into his life, real-life situation or relationships. What is it that the Christian needs to do to experience the forgiveness that God has given to us in Christ? First John chapter 1, verse 9 is where you find the answer. And then finally, in the book of Jude, Jude and his brother James... James, remember, was a church leader in Jerusalem. They had a, the two of them had a very famous half brother, Jude and James. But the question is, who was their mother? All right, they they had a very famous half brother that I'm sure you know about him. Who was their mother? That's from the book of Jude. It's not written in the book. You don't find the answer there, but uh, it, we 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 figure it out from the scriptures. All right. Jude and his brother James, who was their mother. Who did you say is on the line? Robert, yes, let me go. Is that line two, John? Robert, I'm so glad you held on. I appreciate it. Hello. Good, Robert. Good to hear from you. I'm glad you're there. I appreciate you calling in on the quiz show here. I, I hope I didn't answer a question already that you planned on answering. Maybe you could. we could find another question if you were going to answer one of the questions. No, I just thought a comment. Oh, I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. Of the pain and suffering, you know, it's like what more proof does we need of God's Word, you know, that what He says, He means. And in the book of Genesis, you know, the original fall and curse upon uh, creation and humanity, this is why we all suffer. That's right. Towards all of humanity, Christian or not, we have to bear the pains of of the fallen uh, uh, humanity. That's right. The fallen nature of man and, and, and the old, the spiritually, we, we uh, in sin did our mother conceive us and in wickedness are we conceived. I mean, as David said, you know, we, we are, we have that sin principle at work in us, but there is a new, there's a new lineage. There is a new spiritually, uh, a, a new spiritual uh, genetics at work it, through Messiah. And uh, we, of course, now trace our spiritual lineage, not back to Adam, but to the second Adam, to the last Adam, to Messiah himself, which is a great, wonderful truth as well. But you, you got it right. That's, that's the source of sin and its consequences in our world. And it's a reality. We live in a closed system. We're morally neutral, ruled only by morally natural laws, neutral natural laws. But uh, God is at work, and he has reached into our world with his redemptive plan. And we can be born again and become part of the the race of the redeemed through Messiah. Thanks, Robert. That's a great insight. It, it, it is a fundamental truth. It does indeed go all the way back to uh, to the garden. And uh, it, it's uh, back to that tree, right? <laughs> the knowledge exactly. of the good and evil. That's that's a very good insight. So, you know, Soapy, so I'm uh, 
falling and stumbling and such, uh, the answer to that is simply repentance. Oh, you're exactly right. Repentance. And let me get another word from you, though, that is mentioned uh, more prominently in the, the epistles of John. Repentance is a part of that. But there's another word. I'll give you the Greek word if you'd like. Maybe it'll help you to remember what the word is in First John 1, 9. The Greek word is homologeos. And it means literally to say the same thing. You might even be able to piece that out if you know a little bit about Greek linguistics. Logeo, the, the Greek verb to say or to speak. Homo logeos is to say the same thing. Uh, so what? What? how is that word translated in the New Testament? Do you happen to know, Robert? It's re- I don't know. It's related to the word. It's, it's related to the word you mentioned, repentance. Um, uh, let me see if I can give you a hint that would help you to remember it. When we, when a the, the police arrest a criminal, someone who has committed a crime, they often take him to the interrogation room, hoping that he will confess. Confess. That's right. <laughs> right. You we must what you can't. We must, that's right, exactly. Repentance is a part of that repentance confession process. But yeah, we must watch the law and we must watch the same uh, cop shows or something. Blood. I love that uh, new show. What's it called? Blue Bloods. Family that this cop family that prays together and and uh, seeks to do the right thing. I'm kind of enjoying that one. But anyway, yes. Uh, what does it mean to confess to God? And that's what John says. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's talking to believers there. He's not talking to those outside the faith. He says if anyone claims that they've never sinned, we're calling God a liar. So part of our experience, as even as Christians, is that we still make mistakes and fall, but we uh, we, we we trust God enough to say the same thing about what, be honest about our sin, to agree with God about it, to take his perspective of it. And in that way, we bring the forgiveness that God has given us in Messiah. We bring that into a real life situation, a real life relationship, wherever the, that might be taking place. So uh, confession is such a, a very important part of that process. I, I'll talk a little bit about confession in a moment. Uh, sometimes we th- confession is kind of a religious word, and we think of it as kind of a religious ritual. You know, we go to confession, you know, and so on. And yet that's not the idea at all. Like I said, the word confess means to say the same thing God says about our sin, and we'll analyze that in a moment and, and, and uh, maybe give a little bit of a better view of what it means to confess, not just so that we'll get our doctrine straight, but so that we can successfully bring that forgiveness. The whole point is to we have forgiveness in Christ from the moment we come to Christ and are saved uh, past, present and future. Our sins are forgiven. But how do we bring that forgiveness down into our life experience? There are a lot of Christians, Robert, walking around the world. Uh, they believe in Christ. They've trusted Christ. But they're walking under a cloud of of, uh, of frustration, uh, of guilt, of depression, because they've not learned how to. How do we handle sin in our life as believers? How do we, um, how do we come to experience that forgiveness of God in a real practical way in our daily lives? And so that's what confession is all about. And we'll talk about it in a moment. But... Um, 
Well, there you go. You, you've got it. Repentance is a part of it, but the confession is the word I was looking for. Homologales, to say the same thing that God says. I appreciate you calling well, in. You know, go ahead. Sure, Soapy. Uh, confession, but without repentance, the confession is worthless. Exactly right. Repentance is a part of the confession process. That's what I'm going to say is that, see, we think of confession as just saying, I did it, I was wrong. And that's not what, that's not what confession is. I'll just go into it a little bit with you. Well, our time is gone. Let me give you the four R's of confession. Agree with God about the reality of your sin. Agree with God about the disastrous, destructive results of sin in our lives. That is what causes us to turn away from it, which is the idea of repentance, to turn from sin, and then agree with God about the remedy, that's the cross of Calvary, and then agree with God about the removal of sin from our life through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's biblical, biblical confession. Talk to you next week, folks. Good to hear from you. brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. Also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.